It is often suggested by enthusiasts of the American experiment that the Constitution of the United States is a masterpiece of clarity and brevity. Even including all 27 amendments and the signatures of those who scratched their approval on the original document, it barely clears 7,500 words, a brisk and economical operating manual for a republic which grew into the richest and most powerful civilization ever gathered beneath one flag. To put that in perspective, it's only about eight times longer than this explainer is likely to be, and this explainer is unlikely to serve as much of a guide to anything beyond the subject immediately at hand. Which is the idea that, at the risk of perpetrating a sort of sacrilege towards America's founding document, may be another few thousand words going into a bit more detail on a few key points wouldn't have hurt. After all, if America's constitution was absolutely as crystal clear as its fans claim it is, you wouldn't get the Supreme Courts of one era reading completely different meanings into the same words than was inferred by the Supreme Courts of times gone by. Last week, as you will have heard, and as you will be hearing much more about in coming weeks, months, years and decades, the current Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade, the 1973 judgment which had ensured for nearly half a century abortion rights for women throughout the United States. This week, the Supreme Court, now clearly gripped by one of those sure-what-the-hell-why-not moods which occasionally besets a given institution, took aim at another sacred cow, prayer in American public schools. The specifics of the pertinent case concern a high school football coach called Joseph Kennedy. A few years back, Coach Kennedy developed the habit after games featuring his team, the Bremerton Knights, of conducting prayers on the 50-yard line, joined by players and other students. All things considered, not the worst thing in the world, and certainly barely even weird by the standards of America, where people are forever thanking God for helping them out with stuff, Oscars, Olympic medals, whatever, which you'd reckon would be some distance beneath the attention of an omnipotent deity. He's graced my life with opportunities that I know are not of my hand or any other human hand. Um, he has shown me that uh, it's a scientific fact that gratitude reciprocates. Um, in the words of the late Charlie Lawton, who said, when you got God, you got a friend, and that friend is you. But you're not supposed to do it in public schools. Separation of church and state, a concept to which we shall return. The thing with Kennedy's post-match prayers rumbled on a while, some players and parents not bothered, some saying they felt compelled to participate. Compromises were suggested and or attempted, but none stuck. Coach Kennedy was placed on administrative leave, his contract expired, and he did not reapply for the position. And then he sued. And lost. <laughs> Kennedy's case was tossed by district and circuit courts, guided by the 1971 Supreme Court decision in Lemon v. Kurtzman, which upheld the idea that the stuff in the First Amendment about how Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof was an injunction to keep God out of government at any level, public schools very much included. 
Inevitably, however, Kennedy's case was seized upon by that strata of right-wing American media and politicians which grifts a living by pretending to be outraged by imaginary oppressions. Coach Kennedy was readily, if inaccurately, characterised as a decent, upstanding, God-fearing All-American who had been fired for praying quietly and modestly, probably by socialists or women, as opposed to a persistent pest and unrepentant grandstander who'd been warned any number of times and wouldn't take the hint. This is a right for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're this religion or that religion or have no faith whatsoever. Everybody has the same rights in America. And one may amuse oneself at this point by taking a wild guess as to how the very same media and politicians might react to a notional coach Omar leading his team in a rousing chant of Allah Akbar after every touchdown. The Supreme Court, now stacked 6-3 conservative, thanks to the good luck of President Donald Trump and the bad luck of everyone who hoped that the end of his presidency might signal the end of his influence, agreed to hear Coach Kennedy's whining and found 6-3 in his favour. Vexingly, the basis for the Supreme Court's ruling was that exactly the same First Amendment which had previously been used to keep prayer out of public schools was an argument for letting it in, specifically the bit about Congress not abridging the freedom of speech. The practical upshot of this is that what Thomas Jefferson described as a wall of separation between church and state is perilously close to cracking sufficiently to permit the trabants of religious mania to be driven through the Brandenburg Gate of Reason into the West Berlin of secular republicanism. However, and let's perhaps just agree never to speak again of the preceding metaphor, Jefferson outlined this in a letter to a bunch of Baptist weirdos in 1801, and did not think to deploy the phrase separation of church and state anywhere in the text of the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. It is occasionally said of the Bible, pertinently enough, that you do not read it, it reads you. The same, it seems, is true of the US Constitution, in the text of which you can find whatever you wish to see. To cite another contemporary example, the same text that some perceive as a mandate for a professional national guard is seen by others as a license for any Yahoo who wants a weapon of war to own one. For Monocle24, I'm Andrew Muller.